Welcome to Life So Far. I'm Rich Bryant and I sit down with everyday people from all different backgrounds to hear the wisdom and stories from their life so far. Thank you so much for stopping by and I really hope you enjoy this next conversation. Justin, thanks so much for chatting, mate. Mate, no worries. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed listening to some of them so far and actually some of the people you've talked to have been close friends and I've learned stuff about them that I didn't know. So, it's been it's been cool. Oh, that's good. It has been interesting just um, from me talking to even some of, my, some of my best mates and going, I had no idea about this. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't really chat much when we play Xbox or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're forced to chat, you know, actually good. some stuff comes out. That's really so. good. Mate, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Yeah, mate, there's been some really good advice I've got and um, yeah, I've heard a, a few people talk about you know some good leadership ones and kind of life ones, but something that came to mind was when I was, I was just about to move out of home and, and, and someone said to me, live where you want to be on the weekend. And okay. It's always stuck with me and it, and it sounds like a simple piece of advice, but I think what it's done is it kind of frames – how you prioritize. Um, cause I'm a, I don't, I don't like the term work life balance. I, I love what I do. I really enjoy what I do. So I hear people that talk about, you know, that I often get, you know, people say you work too much, you do this and, and, uh, I don't cause I love it. So <laughs> yeah. what's too much? And, yeah. and so when people talk about, you know, the whole nine to five thing and leaving at five, I just, it feels like, I'd do that if I hated my job, but not if I liked my job. Um, and so I think it helps to reframe that whole live where you want to be on the weekend to to putting work in its place that doesn't necessarily have to be a, a day-to-day time thing, but more about a um yeah, where do I want to be? So yeah, rather than rather than buying near where your job is or whatever, buy or rent in the place that, you know, the community want to be in and where, where it's going to be great for your family and your kids and stuff. So, yeah, that's always stuck with me and I think a good piece of advice. That's, that's really good. I've never heard that, never heard that mm. saying before, but I think that's so, that's so important, isn't it? Yeah. This, this idea of kind of nine to five and then you switch off. There's not that many people that can really do that, especially you're somebody who runs your own business. Yeah. It's very... It's very tricky, I think, to uh, have that mentality and kind of have a business. Well, I also think it's flawed, the whole idea that work-life balance means time Um, because, you know, if you've got your own business, there's pressures that, you know, aren't nine to five. But also, if you genuinely love what you do, you love thinking about it and you love planning and, you you know, all that sort of stuff. So, if if you're falling in the trap of thinking you're failing with balance, if your time feels wrong then that I think that's a real real trap so you know I think for me work life balance looks like is my family getting my attention is am I um am I getting downtime so that I'm energized that sort of stuff rather than it being more of a time thing so yeah definitely there's this, I think I've heard someone explain it as rather than work life balance it's like work life harmony yeah. like it's yeah. a bit of a wanky kind yeah, of yeah, term yeah. i guess but it makes sense it makes yeah. sense and that yeah. That looks different for everybody, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, how exactly. that works. And obviously it's something that you kind of has to be okay with your 
the people who it affects, like your partner and totally. kids and things like that. But that even that looks different for everybody yeah, as totally. well. I mean, it sounds it sounds businessy, but essentially we all have a bunch of stakeholders we've got to um, we've got to manage and works one of them. Our bosses are one of them, or our clients are one of them, and so is family. But how you prioritize where those are help you help you balance that harmony. So, yeah, very cool. What has been your greatest struggle? I. I've had a bunch. I mean, I've been. I'm 42 now. Um, married with three, almost three teenagers. One's 12, um, and so there's plenty of struggles that come with with that. But my definitely the the theme that was a big part of my life for a long time. I struggled with anxiety. Okay. Um, so I've had some pretty, you know, pretty hard times with anxiety where, um, you know, just it's it's tough to kind of push through. Um, but you know, work work pretty hard, and um, and in a really excellent place for the last few years. Have been really, really good, and um, seen some great people. Talked to a lot of good people, but it's it's something that um, I've now been able to talk to with a bunch of mates and things like that. And I know that it's certainly not an unusual thing. It's a super common um, struggle that people have. So um, yeah, that's that's probably been the thing that's and and it's and it's got its ripple effects as well because it 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 ripples into um you know the not feeling like you're you're good enough or that whole imposter syndrome stuff which um which you know lots and lots of us have um where you never quite feel like you're you know you're you're gonna you're gonna fail at any point in time you're never quite gonna live up to people's expectations things like that so yeah that's probably been the probably the theme certainly through my younger years um where i had to work really hard at uh at working out how to um, I guess not, not erase that because you, I don't think, um, you know, there's a, there's a difference between worry and anxiety. Worry is healthy and anxiety is not. So there's a, there's a balance there where there's a tipping point all the time. Um, and so learning how to manage that, learning how to identify that, learning strategies on how to, um, stop it from tipping over that edge is, I guess, something that I've just, um, learned as I've talked to people and, um, and learned strategies, I guess. But yeah. Is that something that you think, like, do you, do you, do you have an idea of where that anxiety stems from? Uh, not really. I, I probably as a talking to mum and dad as a kid, I always had that kind of that social. I was pretty, I was a very shy kid. Right. Um, people laugh at that now because they don't think I'm shy at all. But I am. I'm an introvert by nature. Although Corona kind of challenged me with that because I just realised how energised I get from other people, even right. though I feel I, I think I'm an introvert. Maybe I'm just an introvert on paper, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, you did some tests one day yeah, yeah, and now you're an right. introvert. <laughs> but I, I, I like – I don't love crowds and things like that. I've always had anxiety about, you know, social um, networking and all that sort of stuff around work. And uh, But, yeah, mum and dad said I've, I've always kind of carried a bit of that over-worry um, type thing. But I, I think it's one of those things that and, – and talking to counsellors um, have said that sometimes it can be triggered by kind of learnt – learnt behaviour, but sometimes it can just be an evolution of how you deal with things as a kid and, and if you don't push yourself and maybe other some kids would and then you kind of get in your shell a bit more and uh, it can just kind of happen over time. And I think that's probably more like what happened um, to me and it wasn't till I was a little bit older that I realised it was enough of an issue to actually deal with. Um, I think that's the, the difficult thing with any mental health stuff is often you don't believe that you, you need someone to talk it through with until it's at a more of a severe um, place because it doesn't feel like it's affecting you as much or, uh, or or things like that. So, yeah, I think for me it was a bit of an evolution over time. Mm. I think especially as well with – especially in our, in our world now where help, quote, unquote, is just like a, t- a key stroke away where we think, 
Uh, you know, I can get a look at a something on YouTube yeah. around anxiety or yeah. depression. I I struggled with depression quite a bit, and I still do off and on. And um, it took me forever to actually one go. Oh, maybe I have got a bit of depression here. Yeah. And then the next step after that was to go and see somebody. Yeah. But there was a period in between those two where I just kind of like would research things and do this. And for me, that kind of there was something about that that just made it worse, I think, yeah. because it's kind of like with the anxiety, it brings up more of those things. So the, then you kind of go, well, hang on, am I, what's wrong with me? Why yeah. am I depressed? Or yeah, yeah. am I, and you go into a certain situation at work, oh, maybe, uh, maybe this is making me depressed. And it wasn't until Danny, my wife, went, just go and talk to somebody. Yeah. I talked to somebody and it wasn't, it was a bit of a journey since then. But, um, it's just so important. Oh, there's still a stigma for men in particular, um, I think for all people, but for men, I, and I don't really understand it because when I identified I, you know, I, I couldn't figure it out myself, I had I had no issue going seeing someone. And, and like you, the first time I sat down and spoke to someone, I walked out like this weight had been lifted because essentially she said, well, you're normal. Uh, mm, and that was yeah. enough to kind of kickstart the the journey of, I guess, healing and things like that. But there is still a stigma. Something I did learn interesting just hearing you, um, what you were saying before about um, depression. I, I learned that depression and anxiety are actually the same chemical imbalance, but depending on our personality is how we'll kind of – outwork that, right. that imbalance um, because obviously there is a there is a hereditary thing my my mum had some depression and um and that that definitely is a is something that can be a bit hereditary learnt as well as as physical um but yeah that was interesting for me to understand that that it's actually the same the same thing but it can be triggered depending on your personality type in a different way so yeah that is interesting fascinating. it's so it's especially for guys it's so funny i try and fix everything yeah like Danny, Danny has an issue. I'm like, oh, we'll just do this, this, yeah. this. But I won't do that for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know, right. So exactly. That like, oh, doesn't yeah. need to happen. Yeah. What has been the happiest moment of your life? Yeah, heaps of uh, heaps of great stuff. Um, but something that comes to mind is I, I made a, as as a dad, um, I do run my own business. I've always had a high work ethic and you always fear of not being there for your, your kids enough and, you know, you you don't ever want to be there. Well, I don't ever want to be the dad that the kids look back and go, you know, dad was never home, dad was never there. So I've always wanted to be really present in the kids' life and one of the things that I decided to do in the year they turned eight um, was each one of them as they turned eight, take them for a trip away. So um, took each of them um, just after their eighth birthday to Melbourne and had a weekend, just me and them. And, That's so cool. Um, yeah, it's just a... I just remember them being fantastic weekends and just really, I think, quite quite pivotal for me at least. I'll have to talk to the kids in <laughs> 10 years' time when they're talking to a counsellor and see if it was for them. But, um, but, yeah, for me it was a really pivotal time in relationship with the kids to just get that outside the day-to-day, the one-on-one time. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's a great idea. Mm. There's something about as well going on holidays, I don't know if you guys find this, but when you, I don't have kids, but I remember as a family, when you go on holidays, I used to see almost my parents in a different light yeah. as well. Like they were still my my parental figure, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But you're kind of on like neutral ground yeah, almost. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. not in their house now. Yeah. We're in a hotel room or yeah, something yeah. like this. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. My, my parents uh, were very- uh, present with us as we were growing up. Dad, um, dad was a hard worker too. I got my work ethic, I think, from him. And um, but but were always 
weren't that separate. You know, when my mates had come around, they weren't the ones sitting in the lounge room having a cup of tea. They were in there having a chat to us. And um, we've really modelled our parenting a little bit off what what that was for me and my wife had the same experience. So um, we we do try to have more of those holiday moments like you talk about in more just general life of of being being on that same page, just being present in the uh, in the fun and and getting to know their friends. Like we found that really important. It's a real value of ours to to get to know who our kids enjoy being around and and for them to feel comfortable with us too and um yeah, so I think it's I think it's important um, to be able to take those times, like you said, with holidays where you yeah you are an even playing field and you're showing the real real you, and it's not just the day to day. Yeah, so, that's so cool. Mm. I'm definitely I might steal that yeah. in eight or nine or ten years yeah. or whenever when we Go when I have it. kids. It's actually something I've we've had to come to terms with a little bit of you know we both we both don't like. Um, oh, I suppose big noting or anything like that. It's probably not in our personality, but probably have had to accept that after nearly 20 years of marriage and 40 years of life, we probably have some wisdom that we have a responsibility to share in, in some way. So, I had to come to terms with that a little bit, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is your opportunity. Yeah. Or one, one of many, yeah, one of them, sure. yeah. what, um, what legacy or how do you want to be remembered? Yeah. I've actually been struggling with this little little one um, a little bit um, because I – I actually don't think I care if I if I'm remembered. I I really hope to be missed, um, to have some kind of impact on someone or people or on a community where when I'm not there, you know, it's missed. Um, I don't I don't I don't know if I really care about being remembered. If that makes sense, I know it's probably subtle, but again, it's probably just the the lens you look through of of. Um, you know, to to want to be remembered almost sounds a little bit arrogant. Yeah. Um, I know it doesn't need the yeah, answer doesn't need to be, but just as I was thinking about it, that's kind of how how I was perceiving it. And yeah, uh, I I definitely want to leave a leave a mark in in whatever I do, whether that's with work, with my family, and my marriage, and my friends, and my church, and any community that I'm a part of. And I I want to. I want to be yeah leave leave a, a difference that wouldn't have been there if if I wasn't there. So uh, I coach a, a junior footy team and I love doing that. And you know when people ask me what's the um, what's your coaching philosophy, generally I talk about I just want the kids to leave loving their footy more at the end of the year and hopefully being you know even better people by just seeing you know good integrity, good respect, encouragement, and and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think I think I just I want to be missed. So you're not necessarily somebody who needs to have their name up in lights, kind of thing. No, I mean, I think everyone likes recognition. I think people that say they don't like recognition are lying to themselves because I think we all do, even if we don't like being centre of attention. There's there's an inbuilt need for someone to say you're doing a great job, um, but it's whether or not that drives you um, or stops you not having it. I think that's that's where it can recognition can be an issue of, of priorities again, right? Like where where does that sit in the priorities? So yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not the person that likes being centre of attention, so I probably naturally don't look for recognition, um, and and happy happy being the kind of, kind of the hidden guy getting stuff done. That that's, um, but you know that I think when you do that and that's your attitude, you tend to find yourself sometimes in the centre because people. I, I think one of the most attractive things about um, Christians is, you know. 
when we're doing it the way Jesus asks us to is authenticity and empathy, I think, are two of the things that are lost in our culture. And I think when when that's happening, people want to they want it, they crave it because it's not normal. It's different. And then so people then seek you out because they want they want you to show other people like that because it's it makes them feel how they want to be felt. And so then you end up in, you know, I find myself in leadership positions even though I probably never seek them. For, I think probably because of that. I, th- I think you just, um, yeah, people want some of the things that are valuable to you and so then, you know, say, well, can you tell other people about that? So, um yeah, whether you whether you like it or not, I think sometimes you you get you get thrust into things because of what you think yeah. and what you value. It's so true mm. that there's I can't remember who it was, but there's a very influential soccer coach in the I think it's in the Premier League. Yeah. And um so he's a he's a Christian and um they're like his team's going incredible. Oh, it's Jurgen Klopp for yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. So he's a evangelical yeah. Christian, whatever yeah. that really means. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, and I had someone asked him the similar thing, like, "What's your coaching philosophy?" And he's like, "We obviously want to win football games, but at the end of the day, it's me showing up and giving a crap, caring about these guys on the field." Totally, he says it, and it's all through all of that that I've never seen players work so hard in yeah. their life. Yeah. You know, any any kind of. He doesn't allude to it too much, but he's, he says a bit, you know, it's from I I coach through my from my faith, from a place of faith. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, well, what are all the principles of Jesus who I believe in? How would he have done this? And he says, is that, there's obviously parts that you still need to know, technical football yeah, yeah. and this sort of stuff. Yeah. But he says, where are the community? And he says, he's, ever since he started as a coach, he's kind of just found himself in leadership positions. Yeah. Because yeah, of that sort totally. of stuff. You've, if people see empathy and they see compassion, whether they're your employee, they're you're a kid on your footy team, they they want to play for you, they want to work for you, they want to they want to help because it's it's attractive, you know. Yeah. Because we all want to feel valued, yeah. uh, and so when someone's showing us that, we want to we want to follow them, you know. So uh, yeah, and there's a mix. Like he definitely, obviously, has a incredible competitive nature. So much knows so much about soccer as you have to, and just wants to win. So you have to have that as well. Of course, yeah. But um, yeah, I just found that really interesting. Which is no different in sport or business too. Like you can still be a boss with really you know strong um, strategic goals and financial goals or whatever. That doesn't stop you from being able to act in a way that is you know empathetic and encouraging and putting yourself in your employee shoes and uh, it doesn't change that but it certainly makes it easier for them to follow you definitely yeah as a leadership from a leadership perspective definitely and a relational every perspective yeah. really isn't it um how what piece of advice would you give to people watching or listening yeah i, I think the the piece of advice i i give to people all the time is don't don't say no for someone else and don't let someone else say no for you. Mm. So, first of all, you know, in in trying to protect people, uh, I've done this as a as a boss, but uh, even in in church with volunteers, it's really easy to go. You know, they're too busy, they've got too much on their plate, and whatever, and and sometimes make the decision for them instead of actually saying, "Hey, you know what? I think you'd be great doing this. Have you thought about it?" Um, and yeah, I think sometimes we can rip people off by saying no for them, or with good intentions. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it's really important to when you identify something in someone, um, 
call it out and and let them make that call. Um, but I think on the flip side too, it's really important that you don't let other people say no for you. So I talked a bit before about you know I do have a strong work ethic. I like I like being busy. I like I'm not good at just sitting down doing nothing and um, and you know I've often had you know family and friends say you know you've got to slow down, you've got to say no to stuff and and whatever and um, and I think sometimes that is true, right? But but a lot of the times I've I've probably thought about that and going well you know i i'm a big boy i I can work out my limits and you know i think it's really i'm really careful as i say this because i think it's really important self-care is really important and and being being appropriate with uh your time and how you're caring for yourself is really important but i i think there's it's really easy to fall in the trap of of um uh, tipping over the edge of, of into complacency and um and and almost using that as an excuse to not Get off our bum and 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 do something and get involved and and actually be giving of ourselves to other people and um and it's yeah it's it's given us I think uh, as I said I, I'm really careful in saying this because I, I don't mean this to be a one size fits all but I, I think it's easy to to be trapped into um, glorifying selfishness um, under the guise of self care um, and and I think it's a trap for us a bit so um, yeah I think it's important that we we don't let other people say no to us, um, no for us as well. So if we're, you know, if, if we're being told, you know, you're not coping and, and whatever, um, you know, we need to decide, well, is it, is it, do we just have a capacity that that person doesn't see um, and, and make that decision for ourselves? So Yeah, it's mm. true, isn't it? Everyone's, yeah. everyone's so different yeah. when it comes to that. Some people have crazy capacity, some yeah. people don't. And it doesn't mean that one's less valuable or more valuable totally. than the other because they're all super important. But, totally, yeah. But yeah. everyone's individual and and needs to make that call themselves and, and know the limits. And I, and I think I've found personally that as I've pushed myself, I've found a greater capacity in a lot of times. So um, I, I shudder to think, who I'd be if I didn't push, um, and I know not everyone's going to be like that too. That's that's a that sometimes that is a personality thing, and that that can be quite foreign and um, and not healthy for some people. But but for me, that's actually a way I've been able to um, understand my capacity by by going well. I'll I'll deal with that if if I'm finding that my stakeholders are, are not getting looked after, then I'll deal with it at that point. But but I really want to do that thing, and I think I can do it, and I've. Put the thought into it, and I think it's a, a wise enough decision. I'm going to do it, and then and then work it out from there. And I've often found that my capacity's grown more than I thought it probably had. And then that just gives you a building block for 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 next. You, you've got the confidence to to step into something new because you know that that you've found a a greater level of energy that you didn't realise you had. And because energy comes from so many different sources that you don't know sometimes until you walk into them, um, until you until you try. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's important to to also push into things uh, as long as we've got the the ability to escape when we know in ourselves that it's not an, it's too much. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a healthy push, isn't it? And yeah. it's uh, as you're talking I was reminded of like, you know, the classic is it Roger Bannister, like the 4-minute mile yeah. sort of thing where yeah. you know, no one they all said it is impossible. No one will ever run a is it four, I think it's 4 minutes. Yeah, I think no it is. No one will ever run a which yeah. seems really slow, but I don't think I could do it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. Four minute mile. And then as soon as he did it, all these people that said, Oh, it's impossible. You can never do that. They all started they breaking it. the record. And, 100%. Yeah, yeah. There's been so many different things like that. I was watching a crazy guy. Um, what's his name? Alex Honnold. So he yeah. is a free climber. So he rock climbs without ropes. Yeah. Nuts. And he, there's a movie called 
free free climb, I think yeah. it is. And he climbs Yosemite or the, yeah, the main okay. El Capitan. Yeah. Just I was sweating the whole way through it. Like, yeah. you know, I know he lives, but he was an absolute freak. Yeah. And everyone said it's impossible, it's impossible. And then he did it and all these like a bunch of people have done it afterwards yeah, now. Yeah. But I think that's extreme examples, but there's so much stuff that we can and you're right in saying it's not a one size fits all. So no. you have to be careful about you know, not saying that everybody should just push themselves That's crazy. Right. But I think naturally for most of us, we assume less of – we assume we can do less than what we can actually do. You know, even an example is at a gym or something like that, usually when your body's telling you to stop or when your mind's telling you to stop, your body's usually got a whole bunch more capacity yeah. than it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly right, yeah. And it's about just training that. And I think if we're smart and we – are in, you know, mature about it, we can do that in a healthy way and kind of always, as you say, have a bit of a fallback. Yeah. That we're not gonna crash and burn if yeah. we And there's seasons too, right? Like there's there's seasons where where um doing less is really important for your body to rejuvenate, your mind to rejuvenate. But but seasons are exactly that. They start and finish. So there needs, you know, I've I believe that there shouldn't ever be a season where you're in that your whole life. Like this, there needs to be seasons where you do push and you do go. Now I need to step back because that rhythm of life is the thing that grows us and uh, and expands our capacity and and finds passions that we didn't know were there and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I think that 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 trap is something that our culture in particular almost celebrates. That trap of um of of not stepping out because that that's too scary and that could push us over the limit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We sort of we kind of glorify the people that are doing it and say, mm. oh, we can never ever do things mm. like that. And, yeah. and in whatever that that's in so many different things. And we sometimes something about it, we go, oh we but we can never do yeah, that. Yeah. Like, well they're exactly the same yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Some of them are genetic freaks if they're athletes. Yeah, yeah that's but right. Ninety <laughs> percent of it's just hard work. I'll practice. never be free climbing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll probably never be climbing in general. Or do a four minute. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> but, uh, mate, thanks so much for chatting. No worries, this has mate. been, been a pleasure. Absolute blast. I've learned more about you than I that I didn't know and I think that's some really good pieces of advice and stuff like that that you've shared. So awesome. Yeah, everybody listening, thanks so much. Um, hope you got something out of this because I definitely did. And we'll see you guys next time. I really hope you enjoyed that last conversation. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, it would mean the absolute world if you like and subscribed or left a positive comment. I know you've heard this all before, but these things really do help the channel grow. Thank you so much for your support and I'll see you in the next episode.